0: Hey friends, my name is Kathy Ritchie, and I like to talk about things that make most people uncomfortable. And my latest podcast really hits a nail on the head. It's called Period, The End, But Not Really, and it's about menopause. The fact is, anyone with ovaries will go through menopause, and most will have symptoms. We're talking hot flashes, anxiety, sleepless nights, vaginal dryness, even abnormal bleeding. In period the end, I aim to give you more information from menopause experts because this chapter of life can be gut-wrenching, exhausting, and just plain confusing. Information is power, for you, your partner, your children, your friends, and colleagues. The other thing, this can be an incredibly isolating time for women, and now more than ever, we need connection. So let's get a little uncomfortable. We're gonna keep talking about hot flashes and night sweats in this episode. Why? Well, because most women will experience them, which we talked about in our last episode. But these vasomotor symptoms, that's a clinical term for hot flashes and night sweats, are not something we should just deal with. In fact, the menopausal transition can be a time of risk for some women.
1: Well, there's a couple things to know about menopause and cardiovascular health. So we know from one of our longitudinal studies called SWAN that the menopause transition is associated with accelerated degradations in vascular health.
0: Meet Dr. Rebecca Thurston. She's a Pittsburgh Foundation Chair and Professor of Psychiatry at the University of Pittsburgh. She's also the principal investigator of SWAN, which stands for the Study of Women's Health Across the Nation. It's a big study of roughly 3,000 women from across the US. Thurston also leads the Miss Heart and the Miss Brain studies which look at menopause and the cardiovascular brain connection. So she knows what's up
1: when it comes to menopause and what's up isn't great. We see increases in the accumulation of atherosclerosis during the menopause transition. That's not explained by aging alone. We also see marked changes in lipids, particularly that LDL cholesterol, that bad cholesterol, oftentimes shows an uptick right during the menopause transition. Again, above and beyond the effects of age. Atherosclerosis is a thickening and hardening of
0: the walls of an artery. In this case, the carotid artery. There's also a buildup of plaque on
1: those walls. Both the changes in those those wall features, as well as the buildup in there, is is on the path to cardiovascular disease. So risk for heart attacks, strokes, etc. And there's
0: more. I got to say, this episode is an emotional one because I never realized that so many of us could be at risk for potential cardiovascular disease until I started
1: making this podcast. But I'll let Thurston explain. Women with more frequent hot flashes in their 40s and early 50s or more persistent hot flashes over the course of the next 20 years, those women have an 80% increased risk of cardiovascular disease events such as heart attacks and strokes. We showed that in the SWAN study.
0: Keep in mind the women who participated in Swan were free of cardiovascular disease. Thurston and her team screened out those women, so it wasn't like
1: participants came in with a pre-existing condition. In fact, cardiovascular disease is very rare when women are young, in their 40s and 50s. Um really you see heart attacks, strokes happen 65 plus for most women. So, um these were well before the age that you typically see heart disease.
0: Sleep, no big surprise there,
1: was another huge risk factor. Women who have shorter sleep duration, who are waking up more during the night, particularly if this goes on and on for years, these women are increased risk for cardiovascular disease as well. And this is above and beyond the basal motor symptoms, as well as this is not all about hormones. We adjust for, we consider things like estrogen, and um, it's not fully explanatory.
0: Swan also looked at women from five different racial and
1: ethnic groups. Because prior to Swan being set up in the mid-90s, it was all white women that we had been studying. So we really needed to diversify. And what Thurston
0: found was that African-American women had more frequent, more severe, and more bothersome
1: hot flashes. And that persisted for much longer than the other racial ethnic groups. So the vast majority of the African-American women got hot flashes, upwards of 80%. The white women and the Latinas were kind of in the middle, probably around 65, 70 percent. And then the Asian women, we used to think Asian women didn't get hot flashes. Quick detour. The likeliest
0: reason for that goes back to language, something I touched on in our last episode. So depending on what word researchers use to describe a hot flash or how they describe the sensation, that could possibly affect the percentage of women reporting hot flashes. We now
1: know they do, um, at least women living in the United States. And for those women, the Japanese and Chinese women, about 50% of those women had hot flashes. At this point, our
0: conversation pivots to the menopausal transition and her research on trauma, something most women have experienced to varying degrees. For women who are victims of sexual violence, this next part of our conversation might be upsetting.
1: There were three things that emerged from our Ms. Hart study as important to women's cardiovascular health, and this surprised us. So it was the hot flashes, it was the sleep problems, and it was trauma. So the trauma side of this was really interesting. So we see that women who have a history of child abuse those women have increased risk for cardiovascular disease. Underlying vascular risk when we image their vessels, also we see in SWAN that they have increased risk for heart attacks and strokes. We see that women with more trauma exposure in adulthood, particularly sexual trauma like sexual assault, sexual harassment, we see linked to hypertension risk, that carotid plaque I was telling you about, that gunk in the vessels. Those women with more of a sexual assault history had more carotid plaque as well. We also found that the women who had a history of child abuse had more hot flashes, particularly nocturnally. So, the women with a history of trauma, more symptomatic menopause, so more hot flashes, um, more underlying vascular risk. We also have imaged the vessels in the brain, and we see that women with a sexual assault history also have more cerebrovascular risk when we look at the brain. Translation, a woman could be at higher
0: risk for stroke and dementia. Honestly, it's all a little depressing,
1: but there is a slight silver lining, if you want to call it that. One other thing that emerged is that if you have a trauma history, but you're sleeping okay, so you're sleeping, you know, seven hours a night, your vessels look okay. But the women who had a trauma history and short sleep, both of those things, those women look particularly bad from a cardiovascular perspective. So I would say if you have trauma history and you have bad sleep, get that sleep treated.
0: As I sit back and digest my conversation with Thurston, I'm overwhelmed. On one hand, I'm so grateful that I can share her work with you. On the other hand, it's clear we've got to do the work to intentionally reframe how we view menopause, like
1: as a society. Well, I think the menopause transition has existed in the shadows. I think there's been a certain amount of shame that women have had about the menopause. It's um, talked about in hushed tones and behind closed doors. And I think we're pulling it out of the shadows and that's really good.
0: Because menopause is not this icky stage of life. It's a normal transition
1: that all people with ovaries will go through. That being said, it is a time of risk, both mental health and physical health risk. I mean, there's also an increased risk for depression and anxiety and sleep problems and the like, particularly for women who've had a history. Part of the reason women walk into this transition Kind of blind and not being told is many of our providers are not well trained in the menopause transition. So even most of our PCPs are not particularly well trained in this, and even many of our gynecologists. The reasons why should be obvious, unfortunately. Menopause is seen as a loss leader financially um, because there's not a lot of high billing that you can do, there's a lot of office visits, not a lot of procedures. What we've seen a lot of instead, especially on social
0: media platforms, is a glut of menopause-related products that claim to address symptoms.
1: Word to the wise, it's the wild, wild west out there. And I also think that there's a certain attitude, a cultural attitude that we've had about the menopause as something women should really just suffer through and deal with. You know, so you might feel bad and not be sleeping well and having lots of hot flashes and having mood changes. You know, just deal with it.
0: Yeah, not today. I first learned of Thurston from a New York Times article entitled, Women Have Been Misled About Menopause. In it, she talks about a lack of research when it comes to menopausal women, and she says, quote, it suggests that we have a high cultural tolerance for women's suffering. It's not regarded as important. That line gave me chills. We know it's true. Our pain is so often dismissed.
1: It is heartbreaking. And to be honest, that just flew out of my mouth. So that was not necessarily a well-crafted statement or plan. It sums it up, Dr.
0: Thurston. I think it's
1: spot on. I just I spot on. Think so there's a lot of these highly symptomatic, sometimes quite disabling conditions that women are dealing with. And I think it just speaks to, frankly, the general status and power dynamics in our society in terms of what is elevated as as quite important. So when you look into an issue that affects primarily women and primarily affects aging women, you get kind of both the gender and the age piece there that um, leads to relative neglect, but it's changing. It's changing. And that's the good news.
0: It's important to end this conversation by sharing some vital information. If you're looking for a certified menopause practitioner, you can visit the Menopause Society's website. There you can plug in your zip code and find a provider who has successfully completed a competency examination near you. Next time on Period The End, we talk about menopause and hormone therapy. And let's be clear, we don't call it hormone replacement
1: therapy anymore. We call it hormone therapy because we're not actually trying to replace what the ovary used to make. That's not the goal of menopausal hormone therapy.
0: I'm Kathy Ritchie, and thanks for listening.